Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Black and White Podcast. And when I say welcome back, welcome back five, six months later. Uh, we're going to switch it up. We're going to make this season two uh, officially. It's been a long and busy year for Luke and I. Lots of things going on. Um, but it's nice to be back on the podcast. And it's good and perfect timing because we are back, uh, just like we did last year, started right back into the NBA playoffs. Uh, and round one being complete and done and dusted. We are now in round two. Um, I have to say, Luke, uh, right off the bat, this is probably one of the first NBA playoffs that I've actually watched, that I've you know watched many different games, been really interested in. I think the unpredictability, so many teams either winning, not, you know, not expecting to lose certain games and how long some of these series have gone on. Uh, I've been pleasantly surprised. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into a little bit uh, before we get into round two. We'll talk probably a little bit about round one. Um, and a few of those teams as well, and how some of those series went as well. Um, on top of, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, our standings and our awards as well. Uh, some awards we have, we gave out at the start of the season, as we predicted, you know, early, way too early sort of season predictions. Some, you know, very good takes and some uh, not so much. Um, so how about we start there before we get into the playoffs? Uh, let's talk about a few of the season awards, at least the ones that have already been awarded uh, 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 and go from there. So, um, in terms of early season awards, uh, three awards that have already been handed out rookie of the year. Uh, I mean, at least since the recording, uh, rookie of the year, most improved and defensive player of the year. So, uh, let's start with the rookie of the year. Um, our pick, my bias pick, because clearly Luke was coerced into picking uh, my guy, Jalen Green, as the rookie of the year. Um, didn't pan out so much uh, for the Rockets, uh, very likely because of the record. Uh, I think he did have an overall pretty decent season, De definitely a good scoring season. Uh, but I think we were pleasantly surprised at how many actual, you know, how many rookies uh, really stepped up to the plate this year. Uh, Evan Mobley was definitely in the running, uh, was in talks in this case for sure. Uh, to win. I think some people also still had Cade, uh, despite his injury, still came up, you know, really strong post all-star break. Uh, but ultimately, uh, it was actually a guy that I wasn't really too high on uh, in the draft. Uh, I did like him. I did like his play in Montverde, but, um, and, you know, in, uh, and in uh, his college year, uh, but I didn't think he was going to be this good. And yet he is rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes for the Toronto Raptors. So Luke, what are your thoughts? on Scott, Scotty uh, winning the Rookie of the Year and being the third Raptor, uh, Vince Carter and Damian Stoudemire, um, being the third Raptor uh, to become the Rookie of the Year. Uh, I'm not too upset by it. I mean, I was pretty high on Scotty Barnes when we were talking about the draft and him going possibly fourth. So it makes me look uh, reasonably intelligent at least. You know, so sort of cover up some of my bases on some of the other awards. But, you know, I feel like he fit in quite well. And I think it does help that he was on a team that was pretty good. Uh, so you're not, like, in a situation like Detroit or Houston where you're trying to be the star. They gave him the chance to sort of get into the space. And obviously, you know, I think he exceeded a lot of expectations. Um, you know, but being 6'9 and being on a team with a lot of other guys who are a similar mold, I think it makes it a lot easier because the coach isn't trying to change the way their team plays to fit this guy they already have like Pascal Siakam they got OG you know sort of playing similar styles and similar positions 
but I think for me, the interesting piece of it all is, you know, it makes guys like OG and OB expendable potentially, you know, those are guys that you can now trade because Scotty Barnes basically fits the same mold uh, and is younger and cheaper. You know, so for me, it's an interesting uh, take uh, in terms of like an off season look, you know, who could they get uh, to fill in maybe a gap, like a, like a Clint Capella type trade, you know, get a, get a Capella and like someone else, uh, for OGN and OB and, and, you know, someone else to fill in the, the salary implications. So it'd be interesting to see what happens, but overall for Barnes, I think he had a great year. Um, you know, it was great to see. And it was kind of exciting to see that it was a, a close race between him and uh, Mobley. I think it's the closest uh, result ever, if I'm not mistaken. So I think both guys were deserving and it's nice to see a you know, a Canadian team get represented, uh, even if they're not going to win a championship this year. Yeah, I, I do really enjoy Scotty Barnes' style of play. I do like that he gets it on. You know, he's he's usually one of the, you know, the guys in the front of the press. Uh, he's very mobile. His lateral movement is incredible. For his size, I think he's about 6'7". Uh, I thought he was taller for some reason, but I think he's a 6'7". But he's, he's, he's already, like, pretty filled up. Like, he's a pretty big dude. Um, I do like his play, and I, I watched a few of the playoff games that he had against, for example, the 76 or so. It's nice that he got, for example, a series under his belt. We'll talk maybe a little bit about uh, that 76ers Raptors series as well. Um, but yeah, I agree. Well deserved. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been sad if Mobley won, for example. I think uh, both were very well deserving. Both big men. Seems like big men are coming back and taking over the NBA uh as it seems with you know some of the uh we'll talk about in the future the mvp prospects as well uh being you know very lengthy guys as well so uh you know more to follow there um the next award uh is the most improved award um so we had picked uh shy gilgis alexander we thought uh he was definitely going to have an upstart you know you know really big year and i wouldn't necessarily wouldn't say he didn't i think he had a pretty solid year uh, but i think a lot of other players ended up becoming very worthy of this uh of this uh award uh jav Morant is undeniably uh i mean he is the award winner undeniably he is uh the most improved player just when you look at memphis's uh record uh you know being a uh believe was it number one are they number one or no number one to number two seed end up becoming number two number two seed in the west um and definitely he led definitely led uh, uh that mark as well uh most improved candidates uh if i were going off the top of my head there was another most improved candidate that seems to be eluding me i don't know if you remember luke any of the other dejounte murray dejounte murray was the one that i thought was actually going to win it um just based off his stat line i'm guessing spurs maybe didn't necessarily have such a successful year uh but him in him personally i think uh when you he's almost averaging a near triple double, he's he's somewhere in the you know the eight rebounds or seven rebound seven eight uh, assists range. And I think did he average twenty points? Is he a twenty point scorer? Jonathan Murray. Yep. Yeah. Is oh, he yeah. a twenty? He's at least a twenty point scorer. So I I mean from his jump from last year to this year, I think he I thought he was well deserving as well. Um, so, you know, a couple of guys that definitely deserve it, have no qualms with John Morant. What were your thoughts on, uh, this most improved award? Yeah, I think for me, I don't know. I, I don't want to say that people got it wrong, but at the same time, like John Morant 
his uh, assists went down, his rebounds went up modestly. It was his points that went up quite a bit, like from 27 from 19, I believe. So eight points per game more, but he's also taking five shots more. Um, you know, so for me, it was, you know, I think the, the points is the sexy stat and that's what people see. And so a big increase in that indicates, um, you know, success. But what I would say uh, in terms of Jonathan Murray, like, as you say, he's averaging uh, 21 points nine assists eight rebounds again yeah, there you go i thought so uh, and he went up from 15 five and six so he increased every stat significantly you know in terms of per game at least i think for him maybe there's an element of the team sucked you know like the team got ninth i believe if i'm not mistaken didn't make the playoffs after being in the playing game you know whereas morant got his team to the number two seed Mm-hmm. What I would what I would contest is I don't think Morant was the only one that improved. Obviously, Desmond Bain, Desmond Bain, uh, yeah, was fourth in voting. So clearly, they had two guys that improved quite a bit. And so, when you say you look at the Spurs, they traded away their second best player. You know, um, so to me, it's like you're trading away some of your good players. You know, Dejounte Murray is clearly the number one guy, and he's improved in basically every stat, including steals blocks assists you know all the stuff like you know to me it's i think they got it wrong in this case i don't think there's any disrespect for john morant i just feel like that maybe Dejounte murray um probably deserved it you know the only thing that would knock against him was that he improved significantly two years in a row you know so like two years ago he was averaging 10 points uh four assists and five six rebounds so he went mm-hmm. from 10, 4, and 6, and then two years later, he's 21, 9, and 8. You know, so to me, that's, you know, they might say, like, well, we, we don't want to vote for him twice. You know, it's, it's the same thing like LeBron. Why didn't LeBron win, like, eight MVPs? Because we're tired of voting for LeBron. Right. You know, someone else, someone else deserves to win. But, you know, I, I feel like John Moran's deserving. I just, in my opinion, Dejounte Murray is more deserving. And I would say that Shy improved as well. It's just injuries and his team sucked even worse than the Spurs. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's definitely, that will definitely hurt your, uh, your chances at the awards. So best of luck to those players next year. We'll see how much they improve. And I'm sure there'll be another few guys that we look at that uh, also kind of shock us there, but yeah, I mean, Shy's, I still don't think uh, Shy's necessarily a bad sh- uh, shot there. I think maybe we thought perhaps OKC would have, uh, been in a better position i think with the players that they have and maybe they do now i mean they have josh giddy now uh mm-hmm. i think basley's taking another step off you know in the right direction um they're definitely you know i think they're trending up but uh the question is when is it going to be next year is it going to be in a couple of years you know what is sam yeah. presley doing with that team so um, is also like one of the oldest guys on that team yeah he's only like 24 still basically a young 24. kid yeah i don't yeah, know he's that's crazy to be like the oldest, one of the oldest guys. And you're like yeah. 23, 24. <laughs> it's hard exactly. to play for. Uh, and the last award, at least the ones that uh, have already been awarded since the taping of this podcast is the defensive player of the year. Um, I think this one's kind of special. I mean, uh, maybe uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Luke, but when's the last time a guard won it? 1996, 9596, Gary yeah. Payton. So, Gary Payton's the last, you know, is the, uh, Marcus Smart, without further ado, most people will know by now, Marcus Smart winning the uh, Defensive Player of the Year. 
Uh, being a guard, it's usually a big man award. It's usually somebody that's a lot lengthier, bigger. Um, we, I mean, we, to no judgment, had Rudy Gobert, who pretty much dominates in the defensive end. Um, uh, I think we had pretty clear justification. I think a couple of things might have fell off for Rudy Gobert. Decent record. Um, was missing time. believe he missed, uh, you know, uh, quite a bit of time. Um I'm not going to lie. I didn't watch Marcus Smart enough this year to make a comment, but it's always nice to see. He must have, you know, done above and beyond uh, uh, his defensive duties uh, and to be noticed as a guard. Uh, so, I mean, clearly, if he was in the short list, um, it was well-deserved. But uh, I will defer to you, Luke, on this one. What uh, makes Marcus Smart the defensive player of the year? Or maybe there was somebody else you expected to win it. Yeah, I mean... Uh... You know, I think for me, it's it's that combination of like that smart thing is his defense played on a really good team. Um, you know, I think the stats themselves they're not, you know, otherworldly. You know, he he increases uh, steals per game by 0.2. He reduced his blocks by 0.2. Uh, so his output from the previous year is is about the same. Uh, I think you know maybe what they're looking at is sort of the additional stats maybe don't appear on the yeah you know, on the box score you know, uh, just the overall impact, you know, you're able to uh, take some of that defensive responsibility away from Tatum, uh, Brown, you know, you're putting smart on the best player, best perimeter player all the time so that these guys can get their buckets. Whereas Gobert just sort of sits in the middle and just blocks everything that comes uh, towards him. Cause even with Gobert, I think his biggest knock was that he uh, reduced his blocks by 0.6. So yeah, that's, that's pretty big. Yeah, so that's a pretty significant drop. He's played less games. Uh, and I don't think for, you know, the Jazz, I don't think he was as big of a impact on the defensive end as maybe he should have been given who they had, especially with, you know, having to mm-hmm. play white side so much when he was injured. Um, you know, so I think that probably knocked, knocked him down a few steps. What I was more surprised by was uh, Mikhail Bridges being number two. To, to me, that was exciting to see. Uh, <laughs> you know, not, not, not just because he's a Suns guy, but... You know, then two perimeter guys being in the top, not just one guy winning it, it's two in the top two. So to me, it's sort of interesting to see that uh, shift. And you know, it's not just a big man award anymore. It can be a perimeter player um, or a guard even. You know, obviously the last guard was was Peyton. And before that, the last guard was uh, was Jordan in uh, 87, I think. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I mean, two two or three guards, three guards in the last you know, was that 30 years, almost 30 years? Yeah. 25. Apologize for my math, but <laughs> you know, to, to me, that's crazy. Uh, so I think that smart sort of deserves it. And I do think it is because of that team component, like he, the MD Celtics led the NBA in defense rating uh, and points allowed per game. And they held the, their opponents to the lowest field goal percentage and three point percentage. Mm-hmm. And so I think that probably awarded him the award. So he's the biggest defender on the biggest defending team. And I think that really is what it came down to, in my opinion. And I, I think Smart's deserving. You know, previous award, I, I argued that Morant didn't deserve it. Uh, in this case, I think that Smart probably does deserve it, especially given the, um, you know, the overall team defense as well. I think it's yeah. hard to ignore that. Yeah. Uh, hopefully there's a little bit more appreciation, as you said. I think uh, Smart winning this award, I think there'll be more eyes looking at the guards position and wing position. As you said before, Mikel Bridges being second as well, that's, you know, that's a big deal. So 
Um, hopefully we do get to see that a lot more big men, you know, the Giannis's of the world, the Draymond Greens of the world. Uh, you know, they definitely do an incredible job of defensive duty, but I think, you know, the perimeter, the perimeter game is such a big part of the NBA. And, you know, so, you know, why isn't a guard, for example, being looked at there, if a lot of our game is, you know, being played on the perimeter more so than, you know, lower end, so to speak as well. But um, that's neither here nor there. Um, Before we get into round two playoffs, let's talk a little bit about our standing predictions as well. We also made some standing predictions. Uh, good thing we have a note, shared note that we type in stuff and make predictions so we can go back and laugh at ourselves when we do come back uh, and, uh, uh, you know, make our picks and, uh, you know, just reflect back on how good or how bad we did. So uh, we made predictions about our top five, specifically our top five only uh, at the start of the season. Um, so we were really confident. It's really nice to look back and take a look at it. So let's take a look at the East um, and where we had uh, teams there. So uh, at number one, we had the Nets, who uh, ultimately made in the play. They made the play-in games. I think they were eighth. Were they eighth? They made it. In- seventh. They were seventh initially. Uh, yeah. in the uh, and they've had a playing game technically they won their playing game but we had them first uh, I think we had a lot of things going right for the Nets uh, I don't think we anticipated for example Harden doing what he did um, the whole Kyrie fiasco we had talked a little bit about that we weren't sure what the protocols would have how protocols would have happened I think we had believed that Kyrie would have been exempted or you know some exemption would have happened and ultimately, he only played half the games, you know, and he didn't, I don't think he played half the games because he was out for a while or something like that. So mm-hmm. he might have only played a quarter. Who knows? Um, so it was really Durant on his own uh, as soon as Harden kind of decided to fizzle out, um, as soon as the trade was made. So um, I think the Nets pretty much had a cast. We can almost say we they had a pretty much a catastrophic uh, regular season into the playoffs. Um, and then, of course, the playoffs didn't go too well because – when they got knocked, they got swept by Boston, which to me, that was still incredible uh, how that happened. So the Nets being first, uh, that was probably one of our worst takes, but that's okay. We move on. Um, the Bucks at number two, um, the 76ers at number three, the Hawks at number four, and the Heat at number five. So I think uh, what, what we, who we don't have is the Celtics in the top five. The Bucks and 76ers, I mean, the 76ers ended up becoming fourth, the Bucks being third. So those aren't terrible takes. And we also had, we did respect the Heat being a top five seed. I don't think anybody, let's be honest, I don't think anybody expected them uh, to be top, uh, to be number one. Um, so, you know, your thoughts on the East, um, any any ways we can rationalize how okay we did on these? Or what are your thoughts on the East standings there? Yeah, I think, um, you know, for me, like, two through four uh, all finished with the same record. And so in theory, us having the Bucks at two and 26ers at three, it's it's right up there. I think the only one that we were egregiously wrong on was the Celtics. You know, for me, I think it was, you know, are they going to make a big leap forward? Uh, I didn't think they would. I thought they would sort of stay in the middle a little bit, uh, especially with their coaching changes and things like that. I think that was a big impact for us, big factor. Uh, you know, I think the Nets, I think the Nets failed everybody, including themselves. Like, how do you have three of the best scorers in the entire league and barely make the playoffs? Like, you, you can blame, you know, COVID, you can blame injuries, you can blame everything all you want, but 
you know, the reality is if you have th- your three of the top 10 players in the league or three of the top 15 players in the league, you should at least be in the top five, not in a playing game to barely make the playoffs. Um, you know what I mean? With the Hawks, I think a lot of it was young. They're, they're young. They're still figuring it out. I thought maybe they would take a bigger leap forward, but, you know, I'm, I'm okay with having three of the top five, correct? Uh, you know, maybe not the right order, but, you know, that's still pretty good in itself because I think a lot of people would have had, uh, you know, the Raptors higher, the Bulls mm-hmm. higher. You know, I know people were putting Bulls first in some, you know, so I, I'm okay with how I had, how we had it. So I'm not too upset. Maybe the Nets upset me a little bit because that affected our coach of the year as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that when Coach of the Year is announced. Um, but there's your big hint there. Let's go to the West. Um, this one, I think we actually did incredible. Uh, besides one team, which <laughs> maybe uh, we'll talk a little bit about, but I could care less about them. Um, at number one, we have the Suns. Surprise, surprise. Um, uh, number two, we have the Lakers. <laughs> which we'll talk about a little bit after number three, we have the warriors uh, perfect picked. We have jazz at number four and the Dallas Mavericks at number five. So uh, did really well there. Luke, your thoughts on uh, the West predicted standings there. Yeah. I mean, uh, two of them, we got perfect. Obviously the Suns and the warriors one and three perfect choices, Mavericks and jazz. We just flipped them. So essentially perfect. You know, if you just make that small adjustment, you know, I think <laughs> the only thing that surprised me, you know, not not just the Lakers being terrible, but the Grizzlies. I think them being so high, I didn't. You know, even if I thought the Lakers shouldn't be number two, I definitely don't think the Grizzlies are the ones that replace them. You know, I yeah. could think the Nuggets, the yeah. you know Clippers. You know, those types of teams would be the ones to replace them. Because I think yeah. we were debating whether the Clippers should be like, you know, five. I think that was one of the ones we yeah. were debating. Were Nuggets yeah. being number five? Yeah. Um, I think we actually went with an off pick. I think we kind of went stretched out and decided. You know what? We we'll pick the Mavs, but I think I think the safer pick was the Clippers or another you know another team. Exactly. So I mean, I think we all believed in the Lakers and what they were doing, but you know I think we forgot that they're old and Davis is injury prone because I think LeBron actually had a really good season. You know, like you know I would say MVP worthy. I don't think he necessarily gets the MVP, but I think it's MVP worthy, especially the way he ended potentially, you know, almost leading the league in scoring as a 37-year-old, yeah. I believe. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's crazy. Um, so, you know, to me, I think 11 maybe doesn't indicate how okay they were. I think a lot of it came down to injuries. Davis missing so much time. Uh, you know, Kendrick Nunn didn't play a minute. That man was supposed to be the backup point guard. You know, Russell Westbrook doesn't fit in. You know, so I think there's a lot of, like, team choices there that weren't necessarily the best. And I think the result should be the GM being cut out. I think there were some bad choices, um, but yeah, I mean, to me, I think that was a, you know that was almost perfect. The West, other than one team, uh, I'm I'm more than happy that the Grizzlies did well. Uh, I think they were one of those other teams that we were thinking maybe wouldn't take a leap forward as much as they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it would be interesting to see what happens. But to me, I'm I'm quite okay. You know, the, the Lakers let everybody down, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, let's finish with round two predictions. I'm sure we can go on and on and talk about round one a little bit. I'm sure there's some interesting headlines that we can kind of, you know, dabble into as we're talking about, but let's focus really here on our round two predictions as we go through. So maybe let's start uh, with 
let's start with the Warriors. So um, conveniently enough, as we are taping, all the teams now have officially been in our, you know, have are in the round two. Uh, we were thinking that maybe Memphis and Minnesota would play their final game. Um, I think it would have been tomorrow. They played yesterday, so I figured tomorrow, Sunday would have been their game uh, that they would play game seven, but Memphis closes it out. So now we have a Memphis and uh, we have a Memphis and Warriors matchup, uh, which will, will be pretty interesting. Um, we got, you know, some interesting headlines with John Morant and Steph Curry. You know, we have the big three back and healthy, you know, with uh, Draymond, Curry and Clay Thompson. You know, we have some, as we talked about, some really improved players. I, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about Bain. We even even talked about, for example, Brandon Clark in the playoffs. My gosh, has that, has that guy been an absolute beast in that uh, in his previous series as well? Um, so there's a lot to like from this Memphis team. I, I do agree. You know, uh, we'll have different predictions as we talked about, you know, off air. Uh, but I do agree. I think they, you know, Memphis does pose an interesting challenge uh, to the Warriors. I think they're young. They're hungry. Like you said, uh, I st- I'm stealing your lines, Luke. They haven't, Memphis doesn't really have a lot to play for. They have nothing to lose. I think they're telling themselves that, you know, this is a series that Warriors should win. You know, they're expected to win and we're getting the experience here. So um, that's always a dangerous series. But I, I just think, I go off my predictions. I just think the Warriors are just too good. I, and we saw that in the first round, the way they uh, basically dispatched, you know, to be fair, a, a very hapless uh, Denver team. You know, if Jokic is not playing, uh, that team's probably not a playoff team, to be fair. But I, I still think you still have to do the job. And I think the Warriors did an incredible job uh, dispatching uh, the Denver Nuggets. So I don't see how Memphis, with their lack of, you know, they should have closed up uh, Minnesota in a lot less games. I don't see how, I, I think it's an experience thing for me. Um, so my prediction uh, was Warriors in five. I think Memphis maybe takes one game home. I don't think they win at, in Warriors uh, at Golden State. Um, I think they probably take game one or game two at home. Uh, but I think the Warriors find a way to completely dominate this series. So for me, Warriors in five. I got Warriors in five. What about you, Luke? Yeah, I think this one was the one that I struggled with the most. But um, I actually chose the Grizzlies in seven. Ooh. Just because I, you know, there's an element of like wanting to be a little bit different. And if I'm right, I look like a genius. Um, but to me, there's a couple of factors. Um, you know, the Warriors have a small ball lineup, and I think the Grizzlies are one of the few teams that can match them on that. You know, John Morant, uh, Brooks, Bain, Jaron Jackson all sort of fit into that small ball uh, space. The only thing with that is, you know, can Jaron Jackson stay out of foul trouble? You know, really is what it comes down to because even like uh, Kyle Anderson can fit in there, Tyus Jones. Um, you know, they're all going to sort of fit into that space. What I would be curious about is, um, you know, I think with the Warriors, their most deadly lineup is Curry, Poole, Thompson, Wiggins, and uh, Green, you know, plus 23 against uh, Nuggets. So to me, if, if they keep with that lineup, then I think the Grizzlies match up well with that. I think they have a lot of good guys there. And again, like the Grizzlies, uh, the season series was three to one for the Grizzlies. You know, obviously there's injuries there. Thompson missing two of them. Mm-hmm. I think Curry missed one, one. and uh, yeah. and uh, Green missed one, yeah. but Morant missed one. Morant came back from injury uh, two days later to play one. Um, you know, so I think the biggest thing will be the matchup between Curry and Morant. Who wins that will win the series. 
I think I think you know that's my that's my take at least. Yeah. I think if whoever wins that whoever wins that matchup wins the series, just because um, you know who they have guarding Morant. Previously, it was uh, Gary Payton the second was guarding Morant, and Morant mm-hmm. has a hard time. But now Curry, who's definitely not a defending player, you know how much can Morant score against him? How much can Morant facilitate against him? Might be a little bit higher, and I think that that plays into their hand a little bit. You know, and so if the Warriors can shoot the roof, you know, then they have a chance to to win this in five. Uh, if they don't, then I think you know, the longer the series goes, you know, it's it's akin to the Pelicans and the Suns in the first series. The longer it goes, the longer we get worried about can the Pelicans pull it out. Yeah. You know, obviously they didn't, but at the same time, I think the Grizzlies are in a similar situation where the longer it it goes, the more and more the Warriors get nervous. The more and more they start to take bad shots. The more and more. The Grizzlies yeah. have faith. They have hope, right? And they have they have home court advantage, I believe. They do I'm, technically, yeah. That's so. Yeah. I mean that 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 plays a little bit into their hand as well. Definitely. And, you know that's why I'm not going to be surprised if they make it to seven and Grizzlies win, but I also wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors won five. Also, shout out to John Morant's dad, who apparently looks like Usher. <laughs> I don't know if you <laughs> noticed one of the games in Minnesota at home or at home in Memphis. Usher was sitting beside uh, Jaws' dad, and people were like saying, "Oh, what the heck, like, what the heck is this? Is like, which one is actually Usher and which one's John Morant's dad?" <laughs> so, um, yeah, you'll see uh, John Morant's dad a lot. He's he's pretty young. He's a young looking dude. So, um, yeah, shout out to Jaws' dad. Apparently, um, yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I just, again, I think it just goes down to experience, and I think the Warriors have been here before. And I think they'll just find a way to close them out pretty early. Uh, Memphis won't have the same success they did with uh, Minnesota. Remember, even Memphis was down a lot of those games against Minnesota. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot to be said there against, a, you know, rather not impressive Minnesota teams. If they're down against the Warriors at any point, I don't see how Memphis climbs back in any of those games. Like I said, I, I just think Warriors close them out. But from a you know a style from a style matchup, yeah, that's a really interesting take to take there. Um, let's move on to the East. Let's move on to another. Let's move on to a matchup in the East here, um, and let's talk about the Miami Heat, the number one seed, going up against the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, so you know a few interesting points here. I think uh, Philly probably uh, was in that series a little bit too long. Uh, the Doc River 3-1-3-0 scare was a real thing. I think Doc Rivers was feeling the pressure of that series. Um, happy to get that win. I think they completely dominated the Raptors in the last that last game there. Uh, but now there's a problem. Now we have Embiid out uh, with, I think, I believe, an orbital issue, orbital, uh, orbital, fracture. For orbital fracture. So that's a huge deal uh, in a series like this. So I, I kind of changed. I went in and out, decided uh, on my uh, my series there because I think I did have in my mind I thought Philly could have posed an interesting threat to Philly uh, or uh, to uh, Miami Heat, but um, ultimately my I'm going to stick with my prediction. Uh, maybe Embiid comes back at some point uh, and changes a bit of the series, but it might be too late. Uh, I will go with the Heat and I will go with six. Um, I think the Heat are just turning it on at the right time. Uh, I think they have an excellent core of uh, young guys, uh, guys that are hungry like Butler, uh, and some interesting vets like, um, you know, PJ Tucker and uh, Kyle Lowry. Uh, and I think Spo, being one of the most underrated coaches, 
uh, has uh, an interesting way of making incredible uh, adjustments to his game. So I think, uh, you know, he's a, you know, he has admitted that Embiid is an MVP player. He will get his, uh, but I think uh, putting, for example, a guy like Bam Adebayo on Embiid, I think it slows him down. I think they have a very collective kind of next man up mentality. Um, and I think that's going to serve them well against Philly. I think Philly has a few too many question marks for me uh, to be liking. I think Harden is one of those question marks. Harden is going to have to absolutely turn into Houston Harden, uh, which I don't believe he'll be able to do uh, for however long, how many games. I think the hamstring injuries have really taken a toll from him. So where do those players come from? Is it, you know, Tyrese Maxey? Is it Tobias Harris takes another step? Uh, ultimately, it's going to be every all those guys uh, that are going to have to take a step for Philadelphia. Um, short bench, short rotation. I just don't believe Philly can win four games uh, against the Miami Heat. So as I said, I'm going to go Heat in six. Your thoughts on this series? I think I agree with most of what you were saying. I mean, I actually have the Heat in five um, just yeah. because um, Embiid is out for guaranteed five days because of the concussion protocol. Yeah. Uh, so the earliest he can return is five, and that's if everything goes perfectly. Uh, so he could be out even longer than that, depending on what happens. I think he had an orbital fracture on the other side of his face previously they have surgery on. Not that necessarily this one needs surgery, but – you know, there's always that possibility or, you know, just taking it safe because of the concussion component to it. Um, but I think with the 76ers, they lost those two games against the Raptors because of their ability to switch, the Raptors' ability to switch on defense, and it posed a lot of, like, difficulties. Uh, so for me, the Heat are basically a better version of the Raptors and being able to switch on defense. And, I mean, the person who replaces Embiid, you know, if they're going to go big for big, it's, it's Paul Reed. I don't know how much I want to trust Paul Reed to save the 76ers. You know, no offense to Paul Reed. He's made the NBA, but he's definitely not Embiid. Uh, so if they go big, it's Paul Reed. If they go small, then, you know, maybe it's Tobias Harris at the five. I don't know. But at the same time, that Bam eats, beats them up too. Like Bam would eat that yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Well, and their ability to switch, like, you know, Miami's only question marks are uh, Hero and Robinson on defense those are their biggest question marks and so if they're switching then if i'm in the sixers i'm attacking those two guys at all times like i think yeah. i think they finished 14 for 21 against those two guys in the last game of the season against them yeah. but at the same time you know i think Struess is playing in the starting five instead of duncan robinson um so if i can keep that that sort of five going you know i can trust you know lottery i can trust uh at bio i can trust uh tucker you know, to guard anybody on the 76ers, including Embiid, mm-hmm. maybe not Lowry, but I can trust at least Adebayo and, and probably Tucker to guard mm-hmm. Embiid a little bit, even just to give them breaks. Yeah. So for me, I don't think it's a question of who will win. I think it's just how long. And I, you know, I'm going to be bold and say the Heat win in five. I think the 76ers steal one at home. Yeah, no, fair points, fair points to make. Uh, let's move on. Uh, let's go back to the West. Uh, we're going back uh, to... The Suns. So the Suns, number one seed, takes down New Orleans Pelicans. That was a really interesting uh, series in itself. I think we found out a lot about some of those players like CJ McCollum and uh, definitely Brandon Ingram. Um, I think he's an all-star almost well, well, you know, waiting to break out to become a superstar, to be honest. Alvarado, I don't know where this guy came from, but 
uh, interesting guy. Uh, but ultimately, Suns were too much uh, with that, uh, especially um, what I was really impressed with and which I wasn't surprised about uh, with, was with that Chris Paul being the best player in the series. Uh, Draymond Green, I don't know what you're smoking, saying CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram are better players or uh, the two best players in the series now that Booker's gone. But I'm hoping Chris Paul shut you up with that. I think it was 13 for 13. What is it? He went perfect 13 for 13? Something like that for 14. 30, 14 for 14 for 31 points or something ridiculous. So hopefully, um, you know, that shuts you up. And, you know, you know, Chris Paul, even at 36, 37, whatever, however old he is, uh, is showing up. Uh, uh, he was an incredible player. So um, shout out to the Suns, uh, who will be facing, if I remember correctly, who are they facing? The Dallas Mavericks with Doncic. So Doncic, Dallas making it out of uh for finally the first round since 2011 when they won against the miami heat um so it's incredible how long they've struggled to finally win a series and now they're in you know they're in uncharted territories uncharted waters here so um Doncic now being fully healthy or at least i think he's healthy and i'm gonna assume he's playing uh these you know all the games in the series i do have mavericks uh winning two games i think the suns will win in six if Doncic, I will put this contingency out. If Doncic is not playing those games, I think the Suns win it. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Suns win it in four or five. Uh, but if uh, I'm assuming Doncic will be good to go and uh, will be rested and will be ready to go against the Suns. Um, so I will give Mavericks the respect of giving two games, but um, I'm starting to even doubt my own predictions. But I, I will go with that. Um, I just think the Suns are too much. Uh, I think they just have too much firepower. I think DeAndre Ayton, Becomes a huge difference maker in this series. Don't um, yes, Mavericks can go snow, small ball, but I don't think uh, I don't think uh, they will feel too great about having uh, Kleba out there uh, having a guard. Because I mean, who else do they have guarding uh, uh, Aiton on there? It'll be interesting to see. So I mean, ultimately, I think the Suns will take this. Uh, um, your thoughts on the series? Yeah, I think uh, I actually just changed my prediction to Suns in five. Um, you know. I initially had six, but yeah, I want to be a little bit different. I and now that I'm thinking about it in my head, like Dantage is the best player, obviously, on the maps. I think with the Pelicans, the reason it went six, partly is because Booker didn't play, but also because of foul trouble uh for defenders against uh Brandon Ingram. But mm-hmm. they also had a second guy who could score in CJ McCollum. They had a big who could score in Jonas Valentunis. Whereas I think the Mavs have like one guy and maybe a half of another player, you know, a combination of like right. Dinwiddie and, and Brunson. I don't think yeah. one or the other shows out all the time. Yeah. Uh, so for me, if I'm from Phoenix, I obviously put like Bridges. I put uh, Crowder on Dantage. Mm-hmm. And I let them. I let them play. You know, I'm not too worried about Dantage um, necessarily taking over the game because at the same time, who's he guarding? You know, he's going to either hide in the corner or he's going to try and get you know, into some of these guys like Booker. I'd love to see who wins. Like, you know, I imagine uh, Brunson and Dinwiddie will guard Paul and, and Booker. I'm going to pick Paul and Booker every day of the week on those matchups. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Dantish is guarding, you know, Bridges or Crowder when they're on the floor. You know, I'm okay with that. I think I think Crowder would bully Dantish and Dantish would start to complain. And yeah. like it would affect his game a little bit too much. So for me, presuming everyone's healthy, I say Suns in five. And as you say, I think if Dantish doesn't play a game, that's an easy win for the Suns. It's gonna be a sweep. Just, 
And as I said before, like the only reason the Pelicans kept it going so long, I think, you know, I think Brandon Ingram is a talented player. I think CJ McCollum is a great 1B player. I don't think Mavs have that 1B player. You know, they have a bunch of twos, two guys like Brunson and uh, Dinwiddie for sure. You know, and if they're going to play a small ball with Kleba at the center, that's going to be really scary for them. You know, and if they're, if they're smart, then they put Dwight Powell in. Yeah, Dwight. Know, no, no disrespect to Dwight Powell, but I don't think he's the answer for DeAndre Ayton. I think I mean, they just have too many, too many weapons. Yeah. Next next man up type of mentality. You know, I think Cameron Payne matches Brunson, and that's a backup point guard. Right? So I think that's – it'll be interesting. I'm going to go bold and say Suns in five just because I would like to see them win at home. But, you know, I could see it going six, but I think it's it, It's a stretch. I think six is – actually, when I think about it, I think six is probably a big stretch now uh, with that. But, I like I said, I think Doncic – like if any of those games were close, I just think Doncic as a closer uh, makes it happen. But again, that's now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably a bigger stretch to put them six than than a sweep. I think a sweep is actually more likely yeah. than a, than six games. So I think five well, is the right right number. Well, I think the Pelicans winning or losing in six kind of swayed that decision, seeing them get to six. But I think there were so many extraneous circumstances that made them get to six. Yeah, for so. sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree that a sweep is more likely than in six. Yeah. Um, and our last, last, last series, we have the Celtics, the number two seed, uh, are taking down the Brooklyn Nets. I think that one was a complete shocker. Not so much that the Celtics won. I don't know if that's so much the shocker, um, but how they did sweep. it. They swept them for nothing. Durant gets swept. Um, and you have the, I don't know if you, uh, did you hear about uh, the TNT, uh, the banter that was going on between TNT and uh, Kevin Durant um, was all oh, was so sweet. They were just going off basically. Um, this is how the whole kind of bus driver, uh, so to speak, euphemism came, came to be, was talking about how basically as a superstar, you know, you got to be the guy that's driving the bus. Uh, for me, one of the things about Durant, that I'll never forget personally, at least for me, uh, is that you need to, you need to have somebody, somebody said, Phil said this to me, I think, uh, to the group once is that, um, when you look at Durant's career and how he won his rings, you have to make sure you give proper context because again, people seem to forget this guy went to the Warriors, which was already a 73 and 19. He went to the Warriors like, yes, he was maybe he was the best player on that Warriors team when they won a championship. But he went to the Warriors, which was already a championship and one of the best teams in in history. So for me, I doubt that Durant can be. I don't know if this is egregious or not, but I don't know if Durant can do it. I don't know if he can win without like a top level supporting cast. So. That's my concern with Durant, and basically TNT just went in on them. Very petty, kind of just going squabble back and forth. So, um, anyways, I do commend the Celtics with uh, Yudoka there, uh, being first-time coach, uh, doing his you know doing his thing. Yudoka's been my man for a while, so I'm happy that he's got a coaching gig, uh, and that yeah, they swept them. I mean, Jason Tatum, Jalen Green, uh, these guys are just continue to get better and better. We just talked about Marcus Smart being a defensive player of the year. They have an identity. They have a really good team, and they have a really like very good supporting cast that surrounds even those core players 
so I, uh, I find that that's going to be very difficult for Milwaukee. I think one of the things Milwaukee is going to be struggling with is, you know, as we talked about again, is, is Middleton, Middleton being gone, uh, being injured for quite a bit. Um, you know, what's Giannis going to be able to do uh, uh, without, in this case, you know, his complimentary guy. Um, so ultimately I'm going to go with Celtics. Um, I do think the Bucks uh, have, uh, uh, you know, have been there. They've been in the dance. They've felt that pressure. Um, I think they'll make it a good series, but I think ultimately the Celtics and their, their new bounce, so to speak, uh, uh, they're going to win in seven games. I think this one's going to be a, a, a bar fight. And I think, uh, I think the Celtics edge it uh, in seven games. Mm-hmm. Well, just, just so fans are aware, you know, Jalen Green did not make the playoffs. It was Jalen Brown, but I know Heaven wants the, My bad. <laughs> the Rockets <laughs> to make the playoffs. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I agree that the Celtics uh, will win this. I'm, I'm going to go bold and say they win five. Um, Milton is guaranteed out for this playoff series. Uh, he's got that MCL sprain, so he's not playing the series. And that's like your 1B player. And I think that with Giannis, I think that the Celtics actually have some pretty strong matchups that they can use. And if you put uh, Smart on holiday, there's your, one, your two player. You know, sort of being locked up. You know, really, what would come down to if it's not in five, it's because the Bucks supporting cast uh, greatly improves. And you know, really, what it comes down to as well is like the Bucks are not going to blow leads. My question is, will they get a lead? That's that's what I'm thinking. You know, that they're not going to blow leads like the Nets did. But my question is, will they get those leads in the first place? Um, you know, so for me, Celtics in five, and I just think there's too much firepower there for Giannis to to defend by himself. You know, you know, you have to imagine like Al Horford, uh, you know, those are the guys that he's going to be guarding and they're not necessarily be at the rim. So now you've opened lanes up for Tatum, for Brown, you know, who's going to guard them? You know, Holiday's going to guard one guy, can't guard both. Right. You know, so now now we're relying on like Brooke Lopez to guard somebody, um, you know, far away from the rim. We're relying on other guys as well. Like, you know, so to me, it's, it'd be an interesting series. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I don't think, the Celtics necessarily give any leads up. Right. Like they'll so be tight I, games perhaps, but I think every game will be, be tight. Definitive. But I think it's going to be a definitive win for the Celtics. You know, the fact that they swept the Nets in four. You know, Bucks are not the Nets, but at the same time, to me that shows that the Celtics are on another level right now. Yeah. You know, sort yeah. of they're serious to lose. Those are all fair points. So uh we've been running this podcast for quite a while. Uh we have our picks in. It'll be interesting to see. We're definitely going to follow through and come back. I promise uh, podcast people, um, but I can't wait to, you know, watch the round two. I, like I said, at the start of the podcast, really been watching these series a lot. It's unfortunate. We do have a few injuries, but um, I think there'll be interesting games. Nonetheless, the unpredictability makes it really interesting. So um, last and final thoughts from our guy, Luke. Well, I just want everyone to remember, we, we talked a long time ago about which of the two NBA Finals teams would uh, potentially get back to the Finals. And, and I was very vehemently for the Suns return to the Finals. And by golly, did they look good. You know, number one team in the entire league. You know, people were saying, well, you're crazy. The Bucs are the ones that are obviously going to make it to the Finals again, not the Suns. So I just want people to remember that, you know. Not only am I a Suns fan, but Boy, am I right. <laughs> They're looking good. And now that I said that, they might lose in the second round, but you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. Somebody make sure to clip this because I can't wait to <laughs> can't wait to see the Mavericks make it and be surprised Pikachu face. All right then. Exactly. Um, thank you again for listening to the Black and White Podcast. You can again hear us on Spotify. Uh, we cannot wait to be back here next week. We'll talk a little bit more basketball. Uh, definitely get into the World Cup, perhaps. You know, the World Cup draw has been out for a while. Um, so it'll be interesting to give our takes on that. So plenty of material to come uh, come by soon. Um, so again, we'll see you soon. Goodbye. On another podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs>